and it's messed with his head. It's John's Post-Life Crisis. Welcome to John's Post-Life Crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, founder and manager of CornNation.com, your Nebraska Cornhusker site of very much fun, and it's summer, which makes seems like there should be more fun, but there's not. Anyway, today we're talking with Travis Miller of HammerAndRails.com, the SB Nation Purdue Boilermakers site. If you want to find out more about our first opponent of the 2020 football season, knock on wood. Travis, how are you doing today? Well, uh, everything is not devolved into a desiccated urban hellscape here in Indianapolis yet. Um, uh, I'm really excited to see what the second half of the season of uh, 2020 is going to bring here in terms of uh, murder hornets and pandemics, uh, civil unrest. Uh, I mean, we, we have a freaking election that's just right in time for sweeps. So I can only imagine how this is going to go going to end. In fact, I have a good friend of mine that said, well, when are the aliens going to get here? And I go, well, the aliens are probably just going to swing by, take one look at the planet and just be like, nope. I thought I was discussing this with somebody, and uh, I think the murder hornets are actually the scouting point. <laughs> I can see that, yes. Because if I was going to scout this planet, I would send insects, and we'd all just go, ooh, look at that, keep it away from me. But we wouldn't think anything about it. So uh, the, other, the other possibility is zombies. Uh, have you have you seen the uh, birds aren't real uh, thing that's gone around the internet? Uh, I think it might even be birdsaren'treal.com, where some people actually believe that birds are not real, that they are actually government surveillance drones. No, I haven't. <laughs> oh my god, no! It's all over. We <laughs> were supposed to talk about football, and now I'm thinking about that. It's just okay. another reason for you guys to hate Iowa. <laughs> We can work that in. I can. I, I'm for that. Anything else that we can do to hate Iowa is good with me. And then you have Nebraska fans that say they're not a rival. What do you think of that? Let's, let's just start with that on football. Well, first of all, Nebraska, Iowa is always going to be Purdue's most hated rival. This was established when the Leaders and Legends was created, and you had the cross-division rivalries, okay. and Purdue and Iowa were left with no – were made the permanent cross-division rivals – Mostly because we were the two teams left over for that. But the real reason is Purdue and Iowa have always hated each other. They have always been our most hated rivals. So I thought it was Indiana. No, no. The, the real hatred is Purdue and Iowa. <laughs> is Iowa liked by anyone? I mean... Honestly, I, I went to the Purdue-Iowa game last year, and it was quite nice. Their fans were pretty friendly. And uh, I know that Blackheart Gold Pants and us have played up the whole uh, our most hated rival thing for about eight years right now. And it's it's kind of really tongue-in-cheek and whatnot. I, I, I'm pretty ambivalent to them. But, you know, they, everybody has beef with everybody in this conference, it seems. That is true. That is true. I mean, it's a, it's a long history of uh... – you know, knocking each other out of the Rose Bowl, which was a bowl for many years. It still is. And then, uh, I guess, just tons of history when everything's going well and it's some team that shouldn't watch you off, right? I mean, yeah, and you look at these schools, they've been playing each other for 100 years in some cases. 
Uh, I know I know one thing that Iowa has done well for us was in 2000, the year that Purdue went to the Rose Bowl for the last time, we were tied atop the standings going into the final two weeks of the season. We were tied with Northwestern, and Purdue goes up to Michigan State, and they just absolutely gack away a game, like lost by three touchdowns. Breeze throws three interceptions, just played terrible. Fortunately, on the same day, a very bad Iowa team upset Northwestern and gave us a second chance. Otherwise, we would have we would still be waiting for a Rose Bowl. So, so let's go into the two twenty team. You guys, uh, you said we did a Q and A, and you said it was a transition year. But then you also, I, I hate to say this, Nebraska fans are going to be upset with me. But then you also said you might win seven to eight games. Which, well, which I, one? Is it, well, right I think now, that, we're so beat up that a transition year is getting to a bowl game. <laughs> Six wins, we'd be happy now. Well, I, I think it's a transition year because Brom came in and he takes us to two bowl games immediately. He wins one in that first season. And really, that exceeded all expectations. And I think last year would have been a bowl season if not for just the complete rash of injuries that we had. Uh, you look at Purdue, they were 4-8, and eight, but they twice lost literally on the final play of the game. They lost on a walk-off field goal at, at Nevada in a game that we really just we blew that one. And then lost in double overtime to Indiana on the final play of the game. So even with all the injuries and everything, you, Purdue was not that far off. And we played a ton of freshmen, uh, still have a ton of sophomores, and you're starting to see the improved recruiting of uh, Brahms' last two recruiting classes that were actually top 30 classes, which never happened under Hazel. He never got anywhere close to the top 30, never happened under Hope. He never got close to the top 30. But now this is the second top 30 class that he's brought in, and so I think you're starting to see the effects of his recruiting, the better talent that he's brought in, but they're still young players. So I really see this year as a kind of a, okay, they win six, seven, eight games. That would be great. And I think it sets the stage for what could be a really, really good 2021. He had a lot of respect for Brom. Uh, you have Brom at Purdue. You have Christ. Paul Christ in Wisconsin. Uh, you, have, you have P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. The West is rising, is it not? Oh, I, I definitely think so. Uh, you look at Minnesota last year, and they just they had that ability to win a lot of close games, and they're right there for the conference title, and they they would have gotten their shot if they'd have been able to beat Wisconsin in the last game of the year. So I think they're definitely a team on the rise. You look at Illinois last year, you know they're kind of the laughing stock of the division, but they still made a bowl game last season and had that monumental upset of Wisconsin. I, I'm always going to view Wisconsin as the as the cream of the crop out West until proven otherwise, just because they've been the better team for most of the history of that division. And they currently have the longest win streak of any, of any team against Purdue Ever, uh, I believe it's at like 14 straight games they've won against Purdue since we won up there in 2003. And it's just a streak that we can't seem to be able to end. And a lot of the times we're not even close. So uh, I I see them as just kind of the premier team in that 
in the division, but you've also got a lot of other solid teams. Iowa's always really solid. Nebraska has that history, and they can definitely get back to being a solid team. And it's it's going to be competitive every year. I mean, just two years ago, you had Northwestern won the division and won it going away, really. So what do you think of your 2020 Purdue offense? I mean, we all know about Rondell Moore. Tell us about the rest of the guys that are in the mix for actually producing points. Well, we're going to need to settle on a quarterback. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a three-man race right now. You have Jack Plummer, who was a redshirt freshman last year, and in my opinion, did a pretty good job as a redshirt freshman. He he obviously had a lot against him, was thrown into the fire once Elijah Sindelar went down, but I think he was doing okay, and then he gets hurt against Nebraska, and you have Aiden O'Connell, the walk-on from uh, Northern Illinois, from uh, I forget which suburb of Chicago he's from, but uh, comes in as a walk-on, get, does the game-winning drive against Nebraska, gets in his first start, wins at Northwestern, throws for 400-plus yards against Indiana, and he's got some talent, and he is going to have a definite chance to challenge a plumber for the starting role. And then Brom brought in a graduate transfer from UCLA by the name of Austin Burton. Burton has two years of eligibility and he was brought in to compete for the starters role. So you've got three guys, I think that have a real shot of winning the quarterback derby. There's a couple of other quarterbacks. Uh, I know a redshirt sophomore by the name of Paul Pafferi, I believe yeah. is his name. Uh, not sure where he's going to kind of shake out there. And then you have uh, Michael Alimo, a four-star true freshman. I kind of surprised if he competed immediately, but that's really the big key is who wins that quarterback derby and the winner is probably going to be there for at least two more seasons. And then there's going to be talent there to play around him. I really like a freshman running back. We have coming in from New York called Tyreek Murphy. Um, King Doru had a solid season last year as a true freshman. Dejuan Hewitt uh, played sparingly as a true freshman last year. Xander Horvath had a big game against Indiana. So there, there's talent at running back. And then, my God, we have so much talent at wide receiver. It's not even funny. <laughs> uh, Brom has been able to recruit four-star receivers like it's nothing. And I'm incredibly excited to see Rondale Moore have a season where he gets to play with David Bell. And you have that inside-outside combo where you can't double-team both of them. And it's going to be real fun to watch. And then we've still got a lot of talented other guys that can – play elsewhere on the field too. So if we settle on a quarterback, he's going to have targets to throw to, and it's going to be fun to watch. Okay. So just so people know, if they're listening to this from Nebraska, uh, Jeff Brom runs a spread pass first wing zing offense. Is that a good description? I, I think so. I mean, he's not afraid to utilize a talented running back and, a talent, a quarterback that can run if he needs to. I know David Blau, I was just always impressed with his ability to kind of see the field and tuck and run for five, 10 yards whenever he needed to. And in the massive upset of Ohio state, it was forgotten that DJ Knox ran for like 140 yards and three touchdowns. So he, we're not going to air it out like Washington state or Hawaii. There's going to be some balance, but they do like to spread the ball around and he needs a quarterback that can make reads and find open receivers. 
And, well, having a guy like Rondale Moore helps a lot. I remember last year when Rondale was still playing before he got hurt, we were not having a great game against TCU in the third game of the season. It was Plummer's first real action of his career because that was when Sindelar got hurt the first time. And I think it was like 10-3, 13-3, something like that early in the third quarter. The offense hasn't done anything. And I'm just thinking, all right, Rondale can make a play. Just get the ball to Rondale. He might make a play. And it's just so wonderful to have a guy that can do that. It's it's a, it's a luxury that you know you have a guy that's like, all right, if he touches the ball once, he might change the whole game right now. Yeah, Nebraska has that Rondale Robinson, but I think right now uh, we're missing. I mean, J.D. Spielman is gone from the team, and he was another playmaker that we could have used coming, this coming season. Uh, a lot of our guys look, you know, there's that word – you kind of like and you really hate when it's potential. You know, it looks like potential, but I don't know. You know? I think the problem, I, I'm sitting in my office, and on my office wall is a photo I took of Wandale Robinson at Minnesota. Uh, and on that play that's on my wall, he made it down to the eight-yard line, the whole damn thing was called back because of a holding call, and we went back to like the 40. So, you know, the rest of the team has to step up for Nebraska in that regard. You, I, are, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I can see that. And that that's kind of where we are at Purdue, and there's the potential there. We've seen that Brom can coach up the leftovers uh, that he had from Hazel. But it's like, okay, what can he do with guys that were rated significantly higher than what he came in and inherited. So that's what's going to be interesting. And we're seeing all these receivers that he's getting. And it's like, okay, that's great. Can we get somebody that can get him the ball? Can we get an offensive line that can protect the quarterback to get them the ball? And that seems so far that's been kind of Brahm's weakness is the offensive line hasn't developed as much as we should we would like. But hopefully that'll change this year. Well Nebraska has yet to establish a pass rush in the last, like, I don't know, seems like 83 years. <laughs> there's no threat there. Again, there's this potential thing going on, but, you know, whatever. Until it happens, I think everybody in Nebraska is like, we haven't made a full game in a while. Until it happens, you know, we're suddenly Missouri where we have to show me. What a weird thing. Okay, anyway. Uh, you guys are like, I think you guys are like us. You're relying on your offense to score a lot of points because your defense isn't going to be that great, or am I wrong? Uh, I, I can see that. I, there's definitely some questions on the defense, especially since uh, we've gotten one of the Nebraska fan favorites of Bob Diaco, and we're switching to a 3-4. Um, but there, there are some highlights on the defense. I really like our ends and Derek Barnes and George Karloftis. Karloftis was a terror last year as a true freshman. Um, seven and a half sacks, 17 tackles for loss, had an interception, recovered a fumble, recovered a couple of fumbles. Just a great, great year for a true freshman that came in and got freshman All-America honors. And so it's like, okay, I, I love I love seeing him. I know we're recruiting his younger brother that is a senior this year in high school. Uh, and we could have both Karloftai. Karloftai, is that what it would be? <laughs> We could have both next year, and that would be wonderful. Uh, but there's still some questions, like um, at linebacker, we're rebuilding the secondary that, quite honestly, was not that good last year. And again, it's a lot of freshmen playing. 
getting back a guy that some projected as a first round pick in Lorenzo Neal after losing him all of last season will definitely be a plus. And so I think, I think the front seven or so is going to be pretty good. It's just a matter of, okay, how can that, how can that backfield come along, especially with a lot of transfers, a lot of JUCOs brought in kind of to fill those gaps because other players weren't working out. I always referred to Bob Diaco uh, as shirtless Bob Diaco because, I mean, he's a nice-looking man. And we do have a lot of women on Corn Nation that comment, and I have two women writers. But uh, I think Bob Diaco came into a situation at Nebraska that was horrendous, and it might Nebraska's attitude toward him might be a little unfair. On the other hand, that man... I mean, I can go into a rambling escapade where nobody knows what I'm actually saying. That guy never gets out of that. Now. So my whole thing with him is you might your defense might be fine, but just don't let him talk to the media. Nebraska has this thing where the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator must talk to the media in the name of journalism, blah, 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 whatever. But I really think if Bob Diaco would have never talked to the media, uh, well, our defense would have still sucked because everybody gave up, but Bob Diaco wouldn't have been perceived as a complete madman. So there's that from our side of the fence. Maybe other people in Nebraska don't share that sentiment. I, I know that our fans were excited because they're like, oh, he shut out Miami in the bowl game for Louisiana Tech. And my wife is a University of Miami alum, so we watch all the Miami games too. And at that point in the season – Miami's offense was such a complete and utter shit show that it. I'm like, okay, let's let's not get too excited about who they shut out here. These guys couldn't score in a women's prison with a fistful of pardons at that point. So <laughs> it's like I don't want to take that away from him, but let, let's pump the brakes on just one game against an offense that was falling apart at the seams by the time they got there uh, before we crown this guy as a defensive genius. And I, I hope that I'm wrong there. I hope he comes in and does well, but I'm always leery of the, well, we're going to change the entire system around. I'm like, oh, oh okay, let's – especially when, well, gestures wildly at everything going on right now and they haven't been able to get together or do anything for three and a half months. Right, so you're going to come into the season with a defense that nobody knows how to run and not any uh, time to put it together. What, what do you, I mean, what a pervert, when Bob Diaco was hired, what did Purdue fans think about uh, I was, I was just kind of like, okay, well, I know that uh, Nick Holt was Brahms' longtime coordinator, but it really seems like they had a falling out last year. And Holt was pretty good. He had a defense that could actually stop the run his first two years. But I think that a lot of last year's struggles were kind of placed at his feet, maybe unfairly at times. But I don't know. I'm always leery of the whole, well, we're going to shake things up with a new coordinator because I think sometimes that's kind of the uh, dying coach's uh, last resort as the, well, we need to shake things up with a new coordinator. And I don't, Brom's not going to be going anywhere, mostly because we owe him too much money at, if we were to get rid of him. But I'm always kind of like leery of the whole, yeah, let's, let's shake it up with a new coordinator. Let's change the defense. And so 
we'll we'll see how it happens. I, I it's definitely a big question mark, and it's something that's a concern going into the year. What do you, overall outlook on the 2020 Purdue football team and Jeff Brown this season? I mean, we talked a little bit about the transition here, but uh, what do you really think? What's what's going to happen? Uh, first of all, I'm just hoping there's a season. I know I, I was pretty confident until this week that we would have some form of season. And then you see the spike in so many states of their cases going up. You see, uh, I think it was Texas, have like 18 cases on their team. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is this may not happen now. And my optimism was mostly based on the, okay, there's so much money involved, they'll find a way to do it. But um, I'm operating right now that until the games are officially called off, there's going to be a season. And I think as long as Purdue settles on a quarterback, I think we can have a decent year. I think we can get to six, seven, eight wins maybe. I know the opening is very, very challenging because we have you guys on the road in the opener and nobody likes to start the season with a conference game right off the bat, let alone on the road. Uh, then we come home for Memphis and Air Force as our as our paycheck games. That's that was a real good idea. <laughs> let's true. let's get the yeah. best group of five team and then the triple option the week later. Let's do that. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it, it, it's it's going to be interesting to say the least. I know Memphis is their their offense looks terrifying, and then. I know Air Force is coming off of an 11 win season and or 10 or 11 wins and that triple option if you don't see it very often it's going to be tough to defend and we still have a non-conference game at Boston College after that. So we're going to find out in a real hurry what this season is going to be in the first four games just because at Nebraska, Memphis, Air Force and at Boston College is a it's a tough run. Yeah, back to the whole, are we going to have a season thing? This this seems to change on an almost daily basis, Your people's attitude toward it. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, it's going to be fine, and then it's not. And tomorrow will be, there'll be good news. You know, I read a BBC article where they came out with a drug that's supposed to not necessarily cure it, but eliminate the really horrible effects. And you're like, oh, that's great. And then the next day it's like, ah, everybody's dying in some damn place somewhere. It's it's uh, It's crazy. I mean, it's, uh, I guess we started with aliens and zombies. So, well, I, I, I like how one of the things that I said uh, was we went in 2020 so far, we've experienced 1918 where you had the massive influenza epidemic then. And then we fast forwarded to 1968 with the massive civil unrest. So we need, we need to settle on something good here. And, it, like you said, it's just there's good news, there's bad news. There's good news, there's bad news. And it's interesting to see this just play out in real time. And you see, you know, you look and it's affecting all over the world. I think I saw earlier this week where New Zealand's done such a great job that not only are they having rugby, their big sport down there, they're having it with full crowds in the stands. And then you have many of the European soccer leagues are back playing and they're, you know, they're playing, they're playing in an empty stadium, but they're at least playing. And it's like, okay, we, we should be able to do something like this. We're, we're the United States. We're go, go USA. And, you know, not to climb on any sort of soapbox or anything. It's just, 
it's disappointing that we're, it feels like we're still at the exact same spot. We were three and a half months ago with no real advancement one way or another and no real plan beyond, okay, well maybe there's a vaccine that'll be there in nine months from now. <laughs> and it's like, maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay. And, but the, there's just so much uncertainty with it, with how this plays out and how many people have been asymptomatic and have already had it, how many people had, quote, the bad flu in January or whatever and may have had it, and we just don't know. And it seems to be affecting people differently on a case-by-case basis, really, and that's what makes it so tricky. I, I think what people don't understand about New Zealand is that it is a country of three and a half million people and 80 million sheep. So if uh, they got their sheep got the coronavirus, uh, that'd be a different story. Also kind of weird, but <laughs> you know, it's it's easier for them. I think you know the right. United States. We're all like, you can't tell me what to do. It's a whole country full of people. Like, you can't tell me what to do. So you know. I've, I've tried staying at home mostly because I would be considered in a high-risk category. Like, uh, you know, I know people that go out without masks. We're doing all sorts of stuff. You know? My neighbor runs our local VFW. They opened this week. She said the first thing everybody did was take the bar stools that were apart and move them back together and all the chairs and move them back together. So, you know. That, was- and that... That element of selfishness is definitely one of the more discouraging things because it's like, okay, I don't care what you believe about it or what what you profess is real and what's not about it. It's not that bloody hard to do the most basic things that scientists have said will help prevent the spread of this. Wear a damn mask, give some space. It's not that freaking hard. The, the whole mask thing, and my first mask was an N95 mask with that red bandana. And if people asked me about it, I told them I was dressing up like Arthur Morgan. I, most people got that joke. More older people like me didn't get that joke, but I play video games. Um, Can we just blame everything on the dang Pinkertons then? <laughs> we could. So it, Gotta have some dang faith! Uh, you know, the dangers of doing a podcast with Friday uh, in the middle of the day is now I have people calling me because somebody's been terminated at a customer, customer site and other servers. You know. We're going to finish this thing anyway. Those people need to wait. What's your attitude toward 2020 in Nebraska since you took this game season? When you look at us, I mean, do we strike fear into your heart? I think it's uh, I've all you know I grew up watching you guys win national titles and compete for national titles and everything and so uh, it's still weird to me to think of Nebraska as the oh they're no better or worse than Purdue right now and I, I think both programs are kind of dead even and when you look at it since they've joined the Big Ten well Nebraska has a four to three edge uh, when they played each other and a lot of those games have been really, really close. Um, there was the one that I felt we let slip away with, um, it was uh, in Hazel, no, it was in Brahms' first year where you guys won on it by a point on in the last minute of the game, and then you have last year where Aiden O'Connell comes in, the third-string walk-on, and he leads this great drive down the field to win the game, and 
uh, also, you know, and then there were just a lot of little things in that game too. You had the Darian Daniels interception into the gut, which even as a Purdue fan, it happened in front of my seats. It was a damn beautiful play. It was poetry in motion. Angels were singing. It, it was beautiful to watch that fat man rumble and stiff arm a guy. <laughs> But but it was, you know, it's it's strange to think that Purdue and Nebraska are on the same level, given your history and our history. But, I mean, it seems like this is a game to start the season where, okay, the winner has a leg up in the division because they already have a tiebreaker over another team and they already have a conference win. So that makes this an interesting game. And... I, I think it's a pretty evenly matched game. I think you guys have a great offense with not a great defense, and I think vice versa. Purdue's got a very promising offense with a lot of weapons and a lot of questions on defense. So you're going to see – I think you're going to see some big plays. I think you're going to see some scoring. And uh, I love that I love that Braum is not afraid to open things up, and that game-winning play last year was one that we hadn't run all year with the flip to David Bell. It was one of his very few rushing attempts all season, and it worked out. It got the winning touchdown. Ouch. You know, you, you've triggered the five or six people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> We're going to go to basketball really quick for one question. Matt Arms transferred. What the heck was going on with that? What, what happened? <laughs> That was a bit of a surprise. Um, I think he, I think he wanted to have more of a starter's role and prepare himself to have a lengthy career over in Europe. I don't think he's going to make the NBA, but I think he wanted more of the starter's role. And uh, he had just lost out to Trevian Williams. Trevian was playing really, really well, and they were sharing the spot. It wasn't working with them and the on the floor at the same time. And, you know, I was kind of surprised by it, too. I really thought he was going to be back. He seems like a kid that really loved playing at Purdue. And I don't have any ill will towards him. He's got his degree. He's headed off. But I was still surprised that he left. And it's gonna, it makes things very interesting for Purdue because with him gone and Nogel Eastern gone, we don't have a single scholarship senior on the roster next season. So if we're going to be good – we're going to be real good the next year. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm ex- excited with the players that we've got coming in. And we already have a top 30 power forward coming in uh, for the 2021 class. But uh, it, it was definitely a shock to see Harms go and he'll be missed. He's, he was a fan favorite. My son is seven and he was probably my son's favorite player. So it's hard to see him go. And, it's kind of the lot, one of the last links to that elite eight run that we had. And we've got a few guys that were primarily reserves on there, but he was a starter on that team and it, it's sad to see him go. Well, right before we started this conversation, uh, we found out that Kobe King the transfer from Wisconsin will not be coming to Nebraska. So that's very disappointing. I'll, I'll ask you one more question and then we'll go. Uh, when you look at Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska and basketball, what do you think? Well, I know I know last year. I know last year when we lost at Nebraska in December, that was kind of the first warning sign of uh oh. <laughs> and that's no disrespect to you guys. I know you guys play really well at home, and you have your up and down years where you'll threaten to make the tournament, and then you'll be back at the bottom of the league and everything. 
but I knew you guys were struggling at home and you'd had a string of really bad low major losses. And when Purdue went out there and lost by 10, it was like, Oh crap. We're not, we're not, we're, that was the warning light on the whole season. And it's, you know, I like it when you guys are good. It's fun when you guys pull upsets, and especially if you beat Indiana, I really appreciate that. <laughs> but I know that it, from a basketball perspective, it really is the all right. Purdue needs to be need, beating Nebraska pretty regularly if we're going to be where we want to be. And I, I, as I said, it was a warning light last year, and that's not good. So, where do you think we're going to go with that? I really just said one question. Uh, it's it's okay. I mean, the only way to go is up, but it's it's so hard to be consistently good in the Big Ten in basketball and stay near the top there. Uh, mostly because you've got Michigan State's always going to be up there. Wisconsin has their factory running where they are almost always a top four team. Uh, Purdue has been great under Matt Painter with three Big Ten championships, and it seems like if we have a blip, we come right back. Uh, Ohio State always recruits extremely well. Maryland is going to be great uh, because of, the, of what they have and what they're able to bring in. Uh, allegedly, Indiana won't be down forever. That's unfortunate news in my mind. <laughs> but but it's just so difficult to kind of break in and even just stay consistently in the top half of the league. And, you know, you guys have your work cut out, cut out for you. And I know it'll take some time, but you've shown that you've got a program that compete. You've got a program that can win games. You guys have a pretty solid home court advantage. And that's one of the biggest steps that you can have is to win those games at home and stay in the hunt. I'll take that. I'll take that. I mean, I've been waiting for a basketball program to do anything. Okay, I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, unless there's anything else you want to add? Not at the moment. Like I, I, I mean, it's going to be an interesting – I really hope that on September 5th there is some football-like substance to watch. Um, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of fans in the stands. Uh, I would be shocked if it's at a, at a full stadium, and that uh, will likely preclude me from getting the last Big Ten stadium that I need on my list because I was planning on coming to the Nebraska game. And that's the only one I've not been to yet. So uh, I'm hoping that we get to see some football. That's that's just what I want right now. I've, I really enjoy baseball in the summer, and that's been taken away. March Madness was taken away. It's like, I just just give me football in the fall, all right? I can make it six months. That would be really nice. I'd be for that too. All right, this is uh, John's Post-Life Crisis. We thank Travis for joining us with information about Purdue and the coming season. I hope you all are staying safe and not licking doorknobs. (laughs) Take care of yourselves and go Big Red.